0: You're listening to Video Monsters, a weekly podcast... Uh, Well, uh, mostly weekly. Sometimes more, sometimes less. (sighs) All right, fine. A mostly weekly podcast of Creatures Talking Features with your hosts, Nathan Simmons and Eric Harris. Video Monsters is brought to you by the Chattanooga
1: Film Festival and Central Cinema in Knoxville, Tennessee. Follow them on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, or online at chatfilmfest.org and centralcinema865.com.
0: And links for each of these can also be found on our pages, so be sure to follow us at Video Monster Pod on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram as well. <laughs> Hello, and welcome to another episode of Video Monsters, where we take movies seriously, just not ourselves. I'm Nathan. And I'm Eric. And joining us today is very, very special guest, winner of the Video Monsters Monster Video Award Scrappy as F*** category for the Chattanooga Film Festival, Robert Woods. Say hello, Robert. Hey, guys. How you doing? I am super, super excited to have you on the podcast uh, because, man, I love an ideal host and i've been singing its praises as much as i possibly can to anyone who will listen uh there's plenty of people who are like all right shut up about it but i love (laughs) this movie so much and uh so very happy that you agreed to talk to us
2: oh absolutely i'm very excited to be here
0: eric how are you doing are are you excited
1: I am very excited. Yes, an ideal host was easily, <laughs> I would say, the uh, the biggest surprise for me from the Chetniko Film Fest. It was one that, like, to be perfectly honest, I wasn't really sure what to expect. Um, and it was one that I kind of like kept putting off. And Nathan, you watched it before I did. You just kept saying, like, dude, you have to see an ideal host. I would like every time I finish a movie, I'd be like, ah, I'm thinking about this one and this one. You're like, no, an ideal host.
2: Watch yep. it now.
0: Yep. Every and I'm every single time.
2: Yeah, that's I I I, th- I think the movie works best uh, being unassuming. Yeah, um, I, I think knowing as little as possible going in it's, is most effective. That's that's why all of my um my my self marketing I've, I've been tried to be very coy and I haven't really advertised it very well. Um, <laughs> it just looks a lot of people are turned off by the trailer or the poster. They're like, that looks boring. <laughs> so yeah, um, I just don't want to spoil anything. I just want everyone to, if they do watch it, um, to be able to have that experience of going on this journey uh, that the film provides. Yeah. I think that's smart. Cause that's
1: really like, that is exactly why I think it hits so hard with me because it is so unassuming when you go into it. like the, the poster, you know, just as the uh, um, the woman in the room with the, a lot of headspace <laughs> and then an ideal host and it's like I don't know what I'm getting myself into with this movie
0: um, <laughs> yeah when I watched the trailer I was like I don't fully know what to expect I have an idea but there's something about it that, that drew me in like it was definitely one of the ones uh, as I was prepping for chat film fest that I was like I need to see this one I don't know why because yeah the <laughs> trailer is just like I okay I okay, I like it I think okay we're, we're, we're gonna do this uh, and so glad that i did um speaking of the movie being unassuming and you know like not wanting to spoil it for people this interview is going to get into spoilers because there are things that i i have to ask about that we just can't talk about if uh if we don't spoil the movie so for anyone listening to this interview I 1000% recommend an ideal host. If you have a chance to see it at a film fest or if it ever makes it to distribution and do you have any information about that? Do you know if it is, I I assume that you're probably working towards that, but do you have any information that you were able to share about when people not at film fests might be able to see it? Question mark.
2: Um, it's, it's, Still ongoing, but but we're getting there. <laughs> I, I now have a film sales agent. That's a some, uh, position I did not know existed before I made this film. So that is uh, it's a whole learning curve. But, um, yeah, hopefully very soon. But, yes, uh, the, the best option at the moment is to go to our Facebook page, which is facebook.com slash host to check out um festival dates we've got a couple coming up in the us and in canada and australia so keep an eye out for dates there and you should be able to see it virtually or in person at a couple of screenings uh, coming up in the next few months
0: awesome and and again fully recommend this movie it is one that as soon as it's out on blu-ray i am absolutely buying and yeah. watching it i it, it is the kind of movie that I just want to keep rewatching because uh, I, I feel like every time there's going to be something else that I pick up on it. Um, so, so yes, fully recommend this movie, not even just watch it. I recommend buying it. Um, and, and again, in case you don't want any spoilers and you're turning off the episode now, uh, Robert, where do you want people to find you? We'll remind them of this at the end. Um, and I know you just said the Facebook page, but if there's any other social media That you want people following following you at uh want to make sure we get that in before they switch it off to go try to find a screening of this.
2: Uh they can they can also find me on Facebook or Instagram, I guess. Um I think my Instagram handle is extreme underscore bob, which was a a, a gamer handle given to me by a friend. Uh, so I've just gone by that since high school.
0: <laughs> yeah, you, yeah. you don't seem like a very extreme person. So it's a, uh, no, I, know. A, I, a I think awkward. that
2: was the joke.
0: <laughs> 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 was a very oxymoronic name. Ah, well, uh, we, we certainly love, you know, wordplay and things that don't make any sense on the podcast. So that, that works out well. Um, all right. So, you know, opening question, the same kind of opening question that I assume that you are used to getting and tired of answering, answering. So we'll try to put at least a little bit of a spin on it. So when I was watching an ideal host, like I definitely saw some influences of evil dead and some Edgar Wright and a heavy dose of my friends from my uh, mid to late 20s. So what were your actual influences uh, in, in creating an ideal host?
2: Uh, yeah, all of all of the above. <laughs> this, there's a there's a lot. Yeah. What you said, a bit of early Peter Jackson, a bit of the thing, John Carpenter, um, a lot of different comedies as well. Um, influences on uh, Tyler. Jones, our, my, my writing partner. Um, uh, he, he He's interested in a lot, like a lot of, you know, British farce as well. And um, it, 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 it's just, you know, we, we thought this was our, this might be our one and only film we ever get to make. So we just kind of crammed in everything that we love about uh, film in, into into one one story and hoped it, it made sense. Um, so yeah, it's, it's a lot of, yeah, a lot of horror and comedy and sci-fi. Yeah, it's
1: great. Like, I love the way that the film, like it almost feels like it follows the three act structure with each. No, act it's better it's totally than it follows. Different. This is a movie
0: that I actually no. enjoy. <laughs> Shut up. <Nathan>. Uh, <laughs> um,
1: but no, like I, I feel like with each act, it kind of morphs into a different type of movie which is really fascinating mm. to me and it's uh, it's handled so well.
2: Yeah, it's, it's something something we learned through um we've been running theater together for a, a decade and um and in watching a lot of amateur theater and a lot of like, you know, short films um made by locals, you tend to become very aware of uh being an audience member. When things are boring you and when things interest you and uh, the desire to entertain and to keep audiences on their toes and to keep them guessing as to where it's going and to make them lean in and, and think about uh, where a story is headed um, and to get them to engage in that storytelling process is uh, probably the, our biggest priority when when we're creating something um, because that's that's what's going to make it uh, a ride for an audience yeah. member. That's what's going to make it, uh, yeah, fun and, and entertaining to watch.
1: Absolutely. I think it's also like it's a really bold strategy too for like your first film too. Like I feel like you have to be pretty confident in your ability or, you know, your first length film that you worked on as a director you know to be able to juggle all those different tones, I think is a skill that is one of the more like subtly difficult things that I feel like a lot of the uh, you know average viewers don't pick up on like how difficult that is to make sure you can mole or merge all those together in a way that feels consistent
2: um thanks for saying that yeah it 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 is <laughs> the the tone of this film was was night was a nightmare <laughs> it really was um. And uh, thankfully a a lot of what we've written beforehand uh, and done as uh, as musicals, um, in theater has been this has been mixed tone kind of stuff. Um, Tyler's great at writing it. Um, generally I, I wrote the music for his lyrics and that's how we collaborated. But in this one, um, I took over directing, um, because film is more my wheelhouse because I've been working as an editor for um, over a decade now. Mm. So um, I, I took took the lead on that department this time. And, yeah, really the, the balancing the tone in getting the script written, um, it, it was kind of there. Um, the actors all kind of got on board with it and just um, just played <laughs> played with it as best they could. Um, that, no, that, that's, that's not fair to say. I mean, they, they all got <laughs> it. They all understood what it was um, and they all had fun with it. They're all great improv comedians um, and they're, they all knew each other, which was a great help. Um, and then it was really in editing it together. And um, fine-tuning pacing and getting the music written um, Mm -hmm. that was the the final step in the process that really solidified exactly what the tone was going to be. It's crazy because we watched um, a couple of the opening scenes and we just played different pre-existing soundtracks underneath it. Mm -hmm. And, uh, like, we played, like, you know, some romantic comedy music. We played horror music we played you know sci-fi music underneath the opening scene and all of them worked but they it was it was it was really incredible how far it pushed your reading of the same dialogue and performance right uh, just just by what music was underneath and it yeah i probably spent the longest time just trying to figure out how to start writing the music and then I just kind of um, ran with with what I started writing and, and went, oh, well, I'm going down this path. So here we go. This is the tone now. <laughs> let's lean into this.
0: <laughs> yeah. And man, you brought up so many things that I want to talk about, even in just that one response. And I'm, I'm trying to decide on where to go uh, next with it. But since you were uh, most recently talking about music, let's go with that um i i love the music like when i was yeah. watching it during chat film fest one of the things that i was posting in the discord channel was how perfectly the music works for this film in terms of like it's got all of those same tonal components uh you know like uh, how it goes from her alarm on her phone straight into the music and uh like some of those beats from the alarm are the same uh sort of like more intense suspenseful like dang kind of beats uh, when they're in the lake and they're being chased down. And there's so much about it that it feels like it was the same score that was just like, all right, how do we emphasize this piece to really draw out this emotion in this scene, but we need to make sure to keep this here in this comedic scene. And so how do we focus on this? And, and I just, the the music was, I don't want to say simple, but it wasn't like so overly complex that it was drawing away from the story. It was doing an amazing job of complimenting the story And I'd just like to hear a little bit more about that in terms of like, what was that process and how, how did you work through all of that in terms of making sure that the music fit tonally for the scene, but also still felt like a cohesive piece throughout the entire movie.
2: Right. Okay. Let me digest that. (laughs) Um, My, my initial thoughts with the music as we were writing the script um, and I'm a big believer that you need to be thinking about everything including the music as you're shaping it because so often music is just tacked on at the end after an edit and um and I I love it when music is more involved um in conjunction with the editing and with the acting and the the pacing of a scene um So, uh, as we were writing, I was thinking about the main character, Liz, and what music she would be listening to. Um, And I I just came up with um, her listening to, like, what if she was listening to some kind of, like, 60s French jazz that uh, she thought was super classy, but it's actually kind of tacky that's that's the kind of that's the character
0: (laughs) is it sad that i also kind of love the music by itself
2: (laughs) (laughs) yeah so so i was like like tacky tacky french cafe music uh retro french cafe music that uh that she doesn't she uh, she doesn't understand and i ended up um i wanted to write i wanted to write a a theme song because, um, you know, years of writing musicals, I'm like, well, we need a theme song. We need something that, you know, you can sing <laughs> from the soundtrack. Um, so I wrote um, some some lyrics down and uh, well, with some some reverse engineering and Google Translate, I wrote a song in French because I don't speak French. <laughs> I, I wrote this this ridiculous song in French um, with this melody I had in mind and imagined, like, you know, a a harpsichord, like that very 60s jazz sound um, playing it. And I wondered if you could use a harpsichord to make a horror film score or not. So, that was the kind of challenge I had in my head going in. Um, But basically, I knew that I wanted that song at the end, the end, how that melody went, Mm-hmm. And I knew that that was kind of- that's Liz's melody. And there's really only one or two melodies in the whole film. And the idea was to use that melody up front at the start um, to, to introduce her. And as she goes through this journey, uh, the instrumentation changes, the, the chords behind it change, uh, the sounds around it changes a great deal as well. Um, and then it kind of builds back up to the 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 end, and then then you've got the the song at the end.
0: Mm. Yeah, I, I love that. It's very um, uh, like Peter and the Wolf esque in terms of like there's one larger piece <laughs> that each person or at least uh, each aspect of the film has that component that that brings out uh, more of those specific influences. And I, again, I love the music so much. Uh, one of the scenes that that it really stood out to me it just in terms of again like how it fits so perfectly with shifting tones without feeling jarring and without feeling like wait a second that that doesn't work is when they're being chased and you know at, at when they escape from the house and they're being chased around and oh i I forget um the character's name but kyle's boyfriend is running away from um from the two guys and it's very looney tunes esque. like that is a very (laughs) comedic chase but then when liz uh is running away like that's a much more suspenseful horror chase and it's cutting back and forth between those two scenes and it works it does not feel like wait a second why are you trying to throw comedy in here nope that it it feels like yes this is the tone of the movie and i love it
2: Mm. So the same four notes, but one is yeah, yeah, like like light little pizzicato strings, like someone sneaking around, and then the other one is like this low synth drone. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, very yeah, oh, oh yeah, I wanted to do some some John Carpenter kind of strings. I totally just like stole some of the thing sound. <laughs> <laughs> like yeah, I need that dong 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 dong. Oh, it's yeah. so good. That just that just is what paranoia sounds like to me because of that film. So I was like, I can't think of anything else. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely.
1: I think that, and I think that like, it's, it's so obvious to me that you were thinking about these things. Like when you watch the film, especially like you talked about the music, but also I think visually, like it so often reflects the characters in a visual way without just like you having to explain to the audience who these people are like, I love your opening titles, which you talked about a little bit, and the way oh, that God, I love those. It has Liz come out, and she sets it up, sets up the room one way, and then she scrap, and like you have the title come on screen, and it's like and a much more fun, it.
0: like the the balloons and the bright colors,
1: and, yeah. <laughs> and then she scraps it and does it totally different, and that's such a smart way of just like this tells you everything you need to know about who Liz is, and it also is a good signal that this is a movie that is constantly going to be shifting in front of your eyes. <laughs> It, it really yeah. sets the expectations up front that was, it was the that moment was a... that I really got hooked into the film I think when I saw that I'm like oh, okay this this is interesting I like
2: what's going on here that's 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 cool uh yeah it's an interesting way of looking at it because I um uh that that was one of the things that I came up with that I was proud of <laughs> um in the scripting process It was like like Tyler did you know pretty much all of it but I I did like jump in and and say, Oh, why don't we do this? Like just for visuals. And why don't we, why don't we add this in? Um, and that was one of them. I, I wanted something to bookend the film and, uh, my, 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 my the lofty heights of the, the climax that I wanted in my head would require, you know, millions of dollars and, and a lot of visual effects. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, we we can't do that massive big budget like meteors yeah. crashing and 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 uh you know bushfires and like thousands and thousands of aliens all <laughs> rampaging and all of this like can't can't do that. Um so I wanted something else that was simple and and visual and and that's that was something that i thought would be fun because um i was trying to figure out a way to do to to incorporate credits into into the film in a fun way
0: yeah Um, and that integration was perfect like when i got to the end mm -hmm. and again spoilers for anyone who didn't believe that we're getting into major spoilers when it gets to the end and you have that opening credit piece again but now the horror version of it yeah. Like, I, I literally clapped out loud in my house. Like, yeah, this is awesome! It was so so well done. And I love how it bookends it. Um, and that's one of the other things that I wanted to talk about is this movie has a lot of setup and payoff. You know, like, that's uh, that was some of that Edgar Wright uh, comparison.
2: Yeah, very much. Like, that's that's what we love. That's what you love. And, like, yeah, the way Tyler writes, um, he... Uh, he is a notorious rewriter and um, it's frustrating because we didn't have like a completed draft of the script uh, until like, um, like uh, it was like two months before we shot, um, we had a first draft um, completed because like we would start writing, but he writes from the start and goes scene by scene and just writes forwards. And then he- comes up with an idea and then he's like, oh, yeah, I should I should set that up. And so, he'll go back and rewrite from the start and then write, you know, and add in like one scene more and then come up with another idea and then go, oh, yeah, no, I need to set that up better and smooth it out. So, he'll go back. So, he just keeps doing that and he never actually gets to the end. He just like keeps rewriting over what's there and I never get a full draft of the script. It's very frustrating. <laughs> but it, what it does mean is that the- um the the way that it it flows and sets up pieces that that it, that'll be paid off later is it's all there in the first draft, which is a great help. So yeah,
0: yeah. I was wondering it's, uh, how it's, much. It's, 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 sorry, go ahead.
2: I was just going to say it's it's always a very satisfying thing, and it is a very Edgar Wright thing that um hmm. that we picked up on
0: yeah I was curious uh, in the writing how much of it was uh, rewrites and rewrites and rewrites to make sure that there was the setup and payoff and how much of it was like written from the end in terms of we know where it wants to uh, end up so now let 's work back and, and figure out how to set it up so i i am i 'm fascinated by someone who starts at the beginning and just works linearly, and when they hit something like okay that 's not going to work, they redo everything and it 's like all right let 's mm-hmm. let's start it over and I don't yeah. know. There, there's something about that that I really admire. Well,
2: to, to be fair, I, I should say that we did like uh, in in writing the script. Um, that is after we had outlined it. Oh, a sure, lot. sure. And so we did have like we had the ending all in our heads. Like it was all in our heads. The basic structure of how it would work, um, and um, in the end, because because we did run out of time, it was like. We were still missing 30 pages before our first read through. Um, I, I did kind of jump in and just like I said, I'll, there's no dialogue in, in the last 15 minutes of the film. Just I'll write that because it's all directing stuff. Mm-hmm. So I'll just write all that out. And um, because I, I, Yeah. I kind of, I saw that in my head. I knew how I wanted that to be. So I just wrote that and he wrote up to (laughs) that bit. And then he just, um, and then we had that for the read through and then um, we gate, we filmed that read through and and kind of gauged from that uh, where we wanted to smooth out things. And um, he just did a quick rewrite that was done. Yeah. Like a week or so before we shot Um, and then we were off and running. So, yeah, it was only two drafts of the script, but um, <laughs> plenty of plenty of rewrites. But
0: only me, two actual like, drafts, but like a hundred of those. Uh, all right, yeah, I'm typing like, it. Let me delete this yeah, like, and rewrite like thousands it. Thousands of outlines, <laughs> right.
2: thousands of possibilities <laughs> of what it could have been. Um, before it ended up being this structure. And then, yeah. So it's like, Um, you were just coming up with many
1: different alternate realities of what the story could have
2: been. (laughs) Yeah. Very much so. Like originally when we were, uh, uh, we wanted to make a movie. We're like, let's make a movie. Let's not do theater anymore. Um, uh, what are we going to make something that we can film maybe in one location with a bunch of our friends, um, and what do we have at our disposal? Um, and what do we want to see? I, I wanted to see some something maybe a bit sci-fi. Um, he wanted to see horror. We both enjoy comedy. Um, so that's kind of what was on the table. And this, yeah, the kinds of stories we had talked about for many years um, were all all involved some kind of yeah, gathering of terrible people. Um, <laughs> and and bad things happening to them for the audience's pleasure. Um <laughs> and uh yeah, just this this is what this is the end of that process, but it, it did change a lot. There were different characters, there were different lead characters, um sometimes there were versions where we started with uh, Daisy um, as the main character um, and her coming in and um, then immediately dying and then switching the main character and and all sorts of things. Um, There were different uh, kinds of aliens, there were different ways that uh, there was a zombie virus at at one stage. It was like a zombie outbreak and they were all told to stay indoors. And so the first thing they did was ignore the authorities and go and try and try and get their friends. And it's just like the one person that was like, no, listen to the authorities. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, yeah, it it changed quite a lot. Um, But yeah, I'm I'm happy with, with how it ended up. So speaking um, Especially of, once we got the, the, the title. <laughs> it was like, once you had that title, it was like, okay, well, that's what it has to be. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so I want to come back to the title because uh, th- there really are so many things that I want to ask about that I'm trying to you know, keep them at least in a reasonable time frame. So it's not a five hour episode. Uh, but <laughs> with what you were just talking about with at one point, it was going to be like a zombie virus and, um, you know, just like all of these different options of what it could have been. This was made during covid uh but where where in the process cuz i know that it wasn't like all right now that covid hit now let's start with the brainstorming idea like i know that uh, it wasn't entirely
2: yeah. it was it was it was done i mean it was filmed in january of 2019 uh, we we yeah. shot it in so so we wrote this we started writing the script in October, 2018, we shot in January, 2019. And then I had the footage on my hard drive, sitting on my desk, um, not wanting to look at it because I was so ashamed of what I had done. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I, I had that sitting on my desk and basically after work and on the weekends, I would bring up the footage at home and, you know, add one or two shots in a night to a timeline and just, (laughs) just keep mulling it over and looking at it going, yeah, yeah, maybe, maybe (laughs) this is something, I don't know. (laughs) Because originally we we had shot it to be uh, not, not intending to ever really, we were hoping to have something that we could release, but Basically, I told all the actors, there's a good chance this won't ever be anything. This is purely an exercise in seeing what we can do with the resources we have. And um, the most we were hoping for uh, that I could promise was you'll definitely have some scenes that I can give you to put on a show (laughs) reel. And hopefully- if nothing else, we'll be able to use this for our show real, and, and try mm. and show that to funding bodies and say, Hey, look, this is stuff we've done. Please give us money to do something real. Um, right. And, uh, but yeah, when, when COVID hit, um, I had, I was almost at the end of the edit. I literally edited from the first shot <laughs> to, to the last shot. Um, and I was towards the end, getting towards the last couple of scenes, which were getting c- complicated because um, it was hard to watch without visual effects in place to, to understand what was going on. Um, and when COVID hit, it was kind of like, well, shit, you got nothing else to do now. Um, <laughs> you may as well just do the visual effects and write the music and um, get this thing finished and um that's when i sent a rough cut to my hometown's local film festival independent film festival um and they said great we'll screen this in um in in july <laughs> during the for the for the festival um so then suddenly um i had a deadline and <laughs> as with all things, uh, we don't get anything done unless we have a deadline. Yep. So now that we had right. that, uh, it was like, <laughs> all right, great. Let's get sound mixing happening. Let's finish writing the score. Let's let's. I'll sit down and do all the VFX. Um, let's get it all together and get something ready for July. And that's that's how we it actually got finished off into some mm-hmm. kind of presentable form. And that's and what I've sent around the world and has been playing for the last year in mm. festivals, which is a, a very big surprise to me. Um, sure. sure. <laughs> but it's, it's a, uh, it's great. It's been great.
0: Yeah. And and again, absolutely love it. Uh, I, I didn't realize that everything mm-hmm. except for just those, uh, the post-production stuff was done before COVID. I thought that some of it was like made during COVID, even if it was just like some of the filming,
2: <laughs> especially I, since... I mean, it's- it's Yeah, it's, it's, like, thematically apt. <laughs> well, yeah, and,
0: and that's one of the things that I wanted to ask about, which, uh, you know, now knowing that it was basically made before COVID, it kind of uh, renders this question pointless, but I'm still going to ask it. Uh, so, with the fact that the aliens transmitted, you know, through their mouths... <laughs> <laughs> with, with people yeah. you know like not wearing masks to do the most basic mm-hmm. of fucking things to prevent other people from dying you know I, I i questioned whether or not that was something that was done intentionally or if it was just uh, a, a sort of a, a happenstance and uh, apparently turns out it was happenstance but yes it is it, this is a very good a pro mask movie so I say, it's good uh, mask yeah. BSA. yes yeah
2: yeah, yeah. Please wear a mask. <laughs> um, Seriously, yeah, it, we we wanted we wanted the figuring out what the aliens were and, and how they worked was was a big part of the process, and we wanted uh, Tyler's an arachnophobe. He wanted so he wanted something that would scare him, like something with a lot of limbs. And I like tentacles, so I, I kind of went in that direction. But we wanted uh, to do the, the 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 riff on on the classic thing scene where you like you're suspecting everyone and you're trying to figure out who's who but we just wanted the the stupidest dumbest people in the room version of that and like what's what's something that they could do and how how is this going to be transferred like is it through the air is it is it by touch is it biting or blood and we just thought the most socially awkward thing is is making out with someone in front of other people. So, like doing like the most childish thing, like a game of spin the bottle, having having tentacles come out of someone's mouth when they kiss. Like, yeah, that's that's my nightmare. Is like, <laughs> it's, yeah, being socially intimate with someone.
1: That's what's so great about that scene. It's exactly what it is. Like, that's uh, it is the blood test scene, but in a in a way that feels even more like relatable and scary because it's something that like it's just it's so awkward uh <laughs> yeah right, like, I don't the, know.
0: can't i just kiss my boyfriend and then that beautiful piece of comedy of just really it's, this is our first date and again throwing <laughs> that comedy <laughs> into that tent scene That's oh so it's good. beautiful um <laughs> yeah it's it's
2: just so stupid
1: <laughs> i love it i'm curious did you like uh did, do you, the movie doesn't like explain a whole lot about why the aliens are there. like it's i mean i'm curious to know like if Hmm. you have like a full-on backstory for the aliens like if you know like if that's something you wrote just to have in the back of your mind like where they came from why they're here so also
0: super quick just because i feel like this is going to be less relevant after the fact i love (laughs) the fact that you don't explain it but you include yeah. that part in the movie where it's like, all right, this is going to be this long, dumb monologue at telling the audience things that nobody actually cares about. And instead you have, <clears throat> we come in peace. <laughs> that, that, that piece of subversion I is it, even the
1: aliens beautiful. are like, like- they even have like stupid. their own kind of awkward, <laughs> like <laughs> I don't know. They, even they're like fighting with one another. It's so it's so Look, funny. Well, Look, you yeah,
0: know that we uh, just finished a United States of America series, so yeah, stupid is right on brand for us, which is why it's so beautiful.
2: Yes. Yeah, we we loved the idea that the aliens were um, every every single character, including the aliens in the film, had to be an ideal host in some way. And the aliens are uh, just as much putting it on, keeping up appearances yeah. as Liz is. Um, they are they are trying to look good for their higher ups. They have their own stupid bureaucratic hierarchy and and, and they make simple mistakes like forgetting to blink. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Um yeah. So the idea that the aliens are stupid and incompetent um was Something that Tyler stumbled upon quite late in the process, but that suddenly unlocked a whole platform for more, uh, more comedy and more mm. stupid characters. <laughs> um, and in terms of uh, what was it?
1: What I was, was just curious,
2: that? like if you had like a, if you had a backstory that was kind oh, the of backstory. In, the back, in terms yeah. of the backstory, it it was. Just that uh, we kind of uh, engineered some fake stakes uh, which were which were that the, the the bosses were gonna come and check out this planet and how the invasion was going and decide whether or not it was worth their time or not and so that created kind of fake stakes for, for the aliens and also for Liz and and the humans, um, Mm. just to give them a ticking clock. But also, um, I guess the idea was that they are beings that have taken over countless planets before and used up resources and, and jettisoned themselves into space and look for another host basically. Yeah. Just, (laughs) you know, your, your typical basic, space parasite um, or uh, corporate overlords works yeah <laughs> or corporate parasites exactly yeah. corporate parasites alien parasites the same same thing
1: <laughs> <laughs> really all just a metaphor for the the um, the dangers of capitalism <laughs> for sure
2: one <laughs> percent taking like, us
0: over exactly
2: it's like it's all it's all there it's it's not, yeah, it it isn't really that important to, to the plot, uh, ex- except for the idea of having, like, a certain time period where they're arbitrarily trying to get everything done by. Um, so we didn't go into it that much in our heads, just as long as there was, like, hints of some kind of alien social hierarchy um, being there, then that was enough, I thought, to... to sell a couple of those points and also to maybe uh, be intriguing enough to think about afterwards. Cause I do like, I do like the idea that, you know, there's, there's a bigger world outside of a film, any, any given film and you Mm -hmm. can think about those elements and, you know, fanfic your way to, glory.
0: <laughs> yeah, I do love how apocalyptic this movie feels by the end. It doesn't feel like just a nice little contained like okay, that's over. Liz got through it. She's going to be fine. It's like, oh no, the the world is ending. This is going to suck.
2: Yeah. Yeah. How, how do you do an apocalyptic film when you don't have any budget and uh you've only got like one location and a handful of people. Um there's there's lots of ways to do it and, and we we just went with you know a bunch of people walking up to a farmhouse
0: (laughs) (laughs) so you've mentioned a couple of times that some of your decisions were just trying to think of like just the stupidest thing possible and while i love that and i do think that's hilarious I don't feel like this is a stupid movie. Like, I feel like this is such a smart movie because of like how much wordplay there is in things like the fact that it's called an ideal host. And so Liz is trying <laughs> to be that ideal host, but also the aliens are trying to find the, the host, but also there's the unwanted guest with, uh, with Daisy, but also there's the unwanted guests with the aliens. And also I love this. Thank you so much for doing this. You had the opportunity for uh oh uh what was the character's name the the first one that got infected the tall dude with the beard right yes uh you had the opportunity for him to call liz an ideal host and he calls her a perfect host and (laughs) (laughs) there's so (laughs) much awareness of all right these are the things that people expect from a horror movie these are the things that people expect from just a movie these are the things that we're going to subvert but we're also still going to follow the rules in such a way that like it is a cohesive movie and none of it feels like oh y'all didn't know what you were doing it's no we know them we're breaking these rules on purpose because it works
1: and it's funny. Like one of my favorite scenes is like the moment when Liz is like, "All right, f- this I'm fighting back," and she starts like doing her doing her gear up montage, like she's Ripley going down to save Newt or something. And then she just gets caught immediately, like while she's in the middle of it. It's like, oh, okay, well, crap. <laughs> like that's such a fun way
2: to do that. Um, yeah. So, well, the idea is when when writing it um, is the the tropes that exist in all of these films in horror films uh particularly but also in comedy um uh the way that they're structured and the way that beats fall um certain moments um that you can telegraph that's a that's a language of storytelling that ideally everyone that's watching it is aware of to some degree, whether it's Mm. subconscious or, or not. Um, And that Mm. is such a great thing to weaponize um, because you, you can lean into that and set up expectations so easily because uh, of, of the, the context of everything that's come before this film um, that everyone's seen. Um, which is what allows you to then pivot and go in a different direction or to subvert those expectations. Um, and that's, uh, that's what we love to do. That's our bread and butter. So Yeah. It yeah. feels
1: like, it feels like as you're, as you were writing it, it's like every time you start to hit one of those tropes, you're like, no, no, we, we got to stop here. We got to figure out, you know, we got to figure out a way to pivot and you do it to, and it, like, we've mostly just done the uh, like mentioned some of the comedy stuff, but you do it for the, like horrific moments too. Like another one of my favorite, like a moment that literally had my jaw drop was <clears throat> when Liz has to um, drown her brother, which in that moment, it's like, it's really intense and really sad and you think it's over. And then all of a sudden it's like, Oh yeah, she, also, the parasite's also still in there. And then when she starts like stabbing him <laughs> repeatedly in the face, I was like, Oh my God, this is insane. Like it's so intense, but
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So great. Uh As it's a, it's a strong punctuation for that moment. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's, I guess, yeah, it's just um, the trick is the tricky thing is you still actually have to hit those beats. Yeah. Uh, Those that narrative structure is there because it works and it's satisfying and Um, you you can't, you you still need to hit them. You can, you can take a left turn, but you still need to get there. Um, So yeah, the balance between um, making, uh, keeping this structure intact, but um, having these, these uh, deviations along the way that are unexpected and keep the audience on their toes is, is the trick. And Tyler is a master of that. So I, I, I'm hoping to be able to just keep working with him in this partnership and keep making stuff with him because he's a brilliant writer like that.
0: Yeah. And, um, you know, Eric mentioned the scene where he just gets stabbed in the face repeatedly from that point out, it gets pretty violent and like, especially that in scene in the, uh, in the daytime, it, it gets gory. And I, I wish it goes
2: so much further than you expected. It to. goes so that, that's much really always, further. That's always the plan. Is like you, uh, with even with the, even with our musicals, we try and establish, uh, we try and get expectations set at a very specific level, and we do everything we possibly can to for the audience to to set a, a limit to their expectations, and then. Always try and over deliver on the climax. Um, you've always got to go one step further than mm-hmm. the audience was willing to go. Um, and maybe I went too far, maybe, nope. maybe not. Nope. But nope. <laughs> <laughs> no, we're did glad not. you did if you did. <laughs> it's like it's certainly, um, yeah, certainly makes a statement i think there's a reason why it's getting into horror film festivals and no other ones
0: (laughs) (laughs) well i i just love though that like because it does go so far and like because you do have her jumping out of the window and seeing the leg split and like seeing the bones pop out and the axe to the foot where then tyler like puts his fingers into her toes it is so gory And, and and i say so gory you know compared to other movies it's not it's tame but within the context of this film like i was so mm. invested in the characters that's, yeah that that's when the it, thing oh. it's
2: within the context of this film it feels so extreme mm-hmm. because th- there hasn't been anything like that up until then and you're, you're not really in the mindset to be expecting it so yep. i and, think i think that's That's how it ends up working.
0: Yeah, that is absolutely how it works so well, because, again, like just having her arm split open uh, or, you know, like when she breaks her arm and stabs him in the neck with it or again the axe to the foot. Neither of those are that violent compared to a lot of other things that I've seen over the years, certainly nowhere near some of the body horror movies that I've seen. But because I was invested in these characters because there's so much humor because it's so light overall, when it gets to those scenes, I'm going like, Oh God, like it hits me so much stronger than a movie that would have been just aggressively violent throughout. And I, I I love that. And you know, that was one of the things that um, I'm glad you already started talking about that. Cause I was really curious about how much of that was designed from the outset in terms of the the decision to get to the end and then really ramp up that violence rather than having it be a violent movie throughout
2: well uh we really really wanted a constant escalation um from from the beginning right up to the end it should feel like a, just a constant progression of madness <laughs> um and uh for the longest time i've wanted to do the gag i've just just thought about it about someone's arm being snapped and then them using it to cut someone's throat with their broken bone from their own arm and and so i was like i want that to be the climax of the film <laughs> um <laughs> because i've had that i've had that idea for so long and <laughs> i wanted to do it um actually it was weird because uh, we had just started writing the script, and we went to the cinema and saw um, what is it? Overlords. Oh um, yeah, that's such a great.
1: That's that's a fun movie.
2: And and in that film, there's one of their zombies has an arm that's completely severed, but they they've got their their forearm bone like just protruding out, and they hold it up to this um lady's throat they push her against a wall and i was like no no <laughs> don't do it don't you dare push that into her throat i swear to god <laughs> i was like so upset because we'd just written it and i was like yeah, yeah we just got up to that bit in the script and then i saw it on the screen <laughs> i was so upset i was like oh we'll, we'll have to do it differently um same thing happened after we had shot the film um and this film got delayed a heap, but, um, with the creme brulee torch, um, the hunt came out and there's a uh, Hillary Swank and, um, and who is it? Oh, I can't remember. it 's fighting... well, yeah. 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 That's that's <sighs> a, um, there, there's a climactic fight in that that heavily involved in a kitchen that heavily involves a creme brulee torch to quarterize a wound um, and uh, that really upset me as well. <laughs> um, but you know, uh, you can't win them all. Huh? <laughs> um, but yeah, we—I we, had—I had some of those, like the idea of like what's, what is this character going to be able to use that's around her in like a kitchen and and on her person um, to to use as weapons? Um, because we didn't want to use like we don't really have guns in Australia. And we don't, don't really have like. I can't even imagine what that's like. <laughs> yeah, I imagine safer for us. We what live in Tennessee, like.
1: so I mean, it's uh, a. Yeah. I mean, I go look, to the like, store, you, I see people that go... You've got, and you've got guns on gun.
2: in, in on farmhouses and stuff for sure. But um, yeah, yeah, but it's it's not really like it's like yeah. hunting
1: rifles. And you don't really have you don't have handguns, yeah. right?
2: No, we don't have. Yeah. <laughs> we we had we had one massacre uh there's a film coming out about it called Nitrum. um uh but yeah we had that one massacre in the early 90s and yeah. the government went well that's f***. let's get rid of guns and they did and now there hasn't been one since so it's crazy yeah. how that worked <laughs> yeah <laughs> anyway uh, <laughs> um no, we, so we, yeah we can we stay on social political
0: just... stuff for as long as you want we have no problem with that so
2: yeah, yeah. But the idea of like uh some just trying to think of something new that you can bring to a, a well-worn genre some kind of new weapon some kind of new way of defending yourself um that would be badass or like crazy um and that's what we wanted to work up to because i i had that kind of going in so we're like okay we're working backwards from there well, we have to we have to get up to that point i think it's so it, what's so impressive too is the
1: fact that like most of the movie you know it is as you described it as scrappy as fuck. um mm. and so like once you get to the ending you know it is pretty low key it's all in one location you know like you can you know, it. you know, it's a low budget film as you go through it, but then once you get to it, like the effects that you use, the practical effects and just the visual effects that you put in there are so much bigger than you expect them to be as well. Like, I'm curious, like if you were, and too, the other thing is it's in daylight at that point and you're showing you all of these practical effects without like trying to hide them. That really was hardly stupid, anyway.
0: wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> which,
2: which is very impressive. Um, yeah, the <laughs> well, in terms of the visual effects, i've I've been working as an editor in a, in a visual effects house for for a while now. and I did my usual thing of um, I don't know how to pull this off. But we'll figure out something on the day and I'll fix it in post because (laughs) which is which is just a terrible, terrible, terrible mantra. Don't do that. Um, But I I didn't we didn't we didn't have any pre-production time. Um, So it was all everything was kind of figured out on the fly as we were going. Um, And yeah, especially that it was just like, you know, putting a car on, on gravel and, and then holding up some green cloth behind it and going, all right, well I'll, I'll key that out and I'll, I'll figure out how to comp that in later. And, uh, <laughs> um, but the majority of it, like pretty much all of it is, is practical. Um, and, uh, even our aliens are all practical. They were just, um, Uh, you you happen to catch that meteor as it came down. Oh, nice. (laughs) Beautiful. Yeah. It's just like a puppet. Um, but it was elements that we would shoot on green screen. Like we shot all real elements and just composited them in, um, because that's something I knew how to do. And I knew I was capable of and would never dream of asking anyone else to put time and effort into working on this thing if I didn't think it was going to be worth it. So, um, I just, put in stuff that I figured I'd be able to figure out how to do. Uh, The stuff that I didn't know how to do were the practical makeup effects. And um, originally one of our best friends is a practical makeup effects artist. So (laughs) um, we wrote this screenplay with her in mind to jump on and come down south with us and, and, and spend two weeks Uh, shooting a a movie with friends and she was all gung-ho and game about it. Um, And then she got offered like a high paying job on a kid's TV series where she was going to be a head of department her first time ever. Um, So she said, sorry, can't do it anymore. (laughs) Um, So what ended up happening was she pre-made a bunch of prosthetic elements um, and we were introduced to an, another guy here in Perth that um, that works at a, a place that makes prosthetics for medical training um, and like oh, army wow. training and CPR, and like a lot of really gnarly stuff. But um, yeah, but like he just had like limbs lying around in his office. <laughs> this is crazy. <laughs> um, so uh, yeah, we got we got pieces that we would need from then, and then um, on um, the t- the two days that we needed to have makeup effects that were complicated applied to actors. Um, we found a local makeup artist who came on set and uh, and, and glued them on and blended them into to, uh, um, skin, which is something that I do not know how to do and no one else knew how to do. Um, and that was super exciting because that was the day that the crew Went from four to five, <laughs> and they were, they, it was like we, we were like we're uh, we're almost gonna outnumber the actors soon. That's exciting. <laughs> so <laughs> slowly adding more and more people every day, like to simulate the. Well, it was weird because like mail. the yeah the 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 the, the cast. Dwindled in size as the yeah. shot went on, and and the crew kind of got one or two extra. We, we didn't so shoot the um the opening montage and the the closing shot until right at the end, and that's when the one day when we had a production designer come on set to help us just like lay out the table and bring in all <laughs> this stuff. So it was like, yay! there's one more person in our crew? <laughs> it's like a real movie. It's not just. Not just three of us, like me holding a camera and Tyler, the writer, running around with props and, and a, a sound guy holding a boom, <laughs> sound recorders.
0: Yeah, yeah, but that, that sounds like so much fun. Uh, so I have two questions. One, would someone who makes prosthetics purely for profit be considered a, <clears throat> a prostitute? Get it? I, pros, I get prosthetics, it. <laughs> pros, prosthet. I'll, I'll put it to um. them. <laughs> yeah, be sure to get Love back it.
1: to us. Check, check with them and see if, see if that's okay.
0: To see, if, see if they want to be referred to as a prostitute. The other question, the actual question, uh, <laughs> with all of those practical effects, <laughs> oh, our co-host Dan wants to know which of them was the most satisfying to pull off?
2: Um, oh. <laughs> which of them was the most satisfying to
0: pull off. No, no, like day. which was the most satisfying to accomplish in terms of yeah, not necessarily um, the most difficult, not necessarily the one that looked the best, but which um, was the one that you know, when when you finally got it on film you're like, yeah, that I, that's I what mean, we spent all our time on.
2: Just because I'd been thinking about it in my head for the longest time and it didn't end up happening the way I had always envisioned in my head um which ended up being problematic for story reasons and a nightmare in the edit, but um when I did see a nice gush of blood from Jackson's neck as as the bone went in, that was satisfying. I was like, Yes, okay, I got I got that on film. <laughs> the 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 bone to the jugular. <laughs> um that was it's a satisfying. I think it's a satisfying moment in the film, and it was a satisfying moment to watch, having seen it in my head for so long. The other one, probably a close second, would be um, John stabbing himself in the neck. Um, that was a that was just a bizarre turn oh, yeah. of events where that that actor um, got uh, an, another job and had to leave, um, had to leave the set at like 8 a.m. instead of at the end of the day um, because he had a rehearsal back in Perth. So, he had to travel two hours back to the the city um, much earlier than we thought. So, we ended up having to wake up at, at 5 a.m. and shoot his entire death scene, including all of the dialogue and everything after it, before in like two hours bef- before wow. 7 a.m., And that's including all of his face makeup where he he slices his face and um and um and then stabbing himself and and everything that happens after it so that was a mad scramble because i only found out like like the day before um that we were like oh shit well we're gonna need to figure out how to do the, the makeup and apply it and um and get that and i don't know if we'll have time to get I mean, we never had time to get coverage on anything, but especially in that one, it was like we've we've just got to say these lines and get it on camera and hope that it works in the edit. So, um, wow. getting that together was was satisfying. Yes.
0: Yeah, that's a, that's such a. beautiful question mark scene it's such a gory scene and and again one that i was not expecting i do have a question though and totally fine if the answer is uh leave it to your imagination the the only scene that i'm like man i wish that i understood a little bit more in that scene was he the alien killing off the human to like show liz like this is what we'll do if you don't join us or was it the human saying nope i'm not gonna be uh, an alien, and so I'm just going to off myself to not be a part of this plan. I, I wasn't quite sure which yeah. way that scene was, was supposed to go. I mean, I think that it works in, in, totally in, for in, Liz. In my, mind,
2: in my mind, it started, like, the first stab was the alien saying, oi, get in line, buddy. <laughs> and then the consequential stabs were John saying, uh, nope, I'd rather die in my head, that's what it was. Um, and because the, cause I had very specifically instructed, um, the actor to try and try and play it as clean faced as possible, even though I like it's, it says in the script <laughs> that he has to yell at people. I just wanted it to be like this weird kind of like questioning look on his face like a vacant look Mm. as in like, there's some kind of battle going on in his brain. Um, And (laughs) it's like, that's a lot for an actor to interpret (laughs) 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 that there's like, there's like this, this conflict going on in your head over the control of your own body, a fighting forces. And the idea was like one hand was controlled by an alien and the other hand was controlled by the human. And they were fighting with each other and then and trying to take control over other parts mm. um it just yeah i like the idea of that and and i just told the the to like he just went with it um and like i said we had like you know one take to shoot all of that stuff so i was like look whatever we get we get <laughs>
0: then I guess that it makes how that scene happened. I I guess that it makes perfect sense then that I wasn't quite sure, uh, which thing was happening. If it was a conflict and both things were happening that, uh, I, 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 I like that.
1: I think it's done really well. I'm speaking of, uh, getting things in one take. I want to ask a question about the, uh, the kind of, I feel like it's kind of the centerpiece scene of the film. Whenever the shit hits the fan and you have this really, well done like long take of everybody like running in and out of the house and uh how mm. i'm kind of curious like how long is that shot for one thing i can't remember and uh and how eight difficult. And a half minutes eight and a half minutes yeah it's yeah. uh it's so good 17, like, how...
2: 17 pages of script
1: <laughs> wow yeah yeah it's 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 so much to get through and, mm. and it is like kind of the pivotal moment in the film i think so i'm curious to know like how much you, you said that you had like such a short amount of time to shoot this film and i'm curious yeah. you know like how much uh prep went into that did you
2: kind of have to win it, some of it Just well go? <laughs> what what happened was we had I, I had i i i did want to i did want to shoot that as smoothly as possible because uh, i i had in my mind you know the a, a great directorial idea of of having the first part of the film be shot on mainly in static shots on tripods with the camera being quite stable in the same kind of position as Liz and then mm. as weirdness is introduced and the tone tone shifts it becomes untethered and starts to move around but still smooth um it's still relatively smooth and then when it's going absolutely crazy then it's handheld and yeah. wild um and that scene, as you said, it's a literal pivotal scene mm-hmm. where it turns from one genre into another, where we're pushed suddenly into the outrageous and and uh, just wanting to make that band aid rip as smooth as possible. Um, And as quickly as possible (laughs) to try and just, like, to even out any, like, plot hole cracks that that the audiences were going to start questioning things, um, just to try and get ahead of them, just, like, let it all happen um, in one and not give them the opportunity to question that. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But also what had happened was the the scene before it, which is a a dinner table scene um, with seven characters. Um, I, I had always read that shooting dinner table scenes is a nightmare and, um, it's true what they say, um, shooting coverage for seven people and getting, um, cross shots of, of people and eye lines for, for each direction, which they're looking, um, for picking up each, each little line. Um, it took, it ended up taking two of my filming nights to get the coverage for that scene. Mm -hmm. And I knew that if I tried to do coverage for that 17 pages of script, um, that I just wouldn't be able to finish shooting the film in the time that I had. I just um, arbitrarily booked (laughs) this, uh, a friend's farmhouse for two weeks. I was like, that's how long it takes to shoot a movie, right? I don't know. Idea. <laughs> f- um, so, sure, why not? <laughs> so, so I I knew that, it, and unless we could get smashed through these seventeen pages of script and get back into scenes that I can get coverage on, because um, there's only two people in them, then um, yeah, the film wasn't going to end up getting on a hard drive somewhere, (laughs) getting shot. So um, we ended up just, I I had allotted for that entire day to just be dedicated to that scene. Um, So instead of shooting scenes in the daytime, we just rehearsed uh, uh, how we figured out the blocking of the camera and the, and the actors and how it was going to play out. Um, and then in the evening, um, I got a, a little um, Ronin gimbal to chuck my little DSLR on, and uh, went went to run it, um, and we ended up doing it, but it it kept screwing up the the, the gimbal. It was very frustrating, especially when you were like like seven minutes into an eight minute shot and the camera just suddenly like the battery goes and it goes and like starts (laughs) looking at the ceiling. You're like, damn it. Um, So we, I, I I got it maybe the first three were just completely unusable because the camera didn't work, but then the last three were somewhat all right. And then by by the, the six, We did six takes overall, and the sixth one is the one that's in the film. And by the time we got to that one, um, it was literally a matter of me not being able to physically hold the weight <laughs> of the gimbal and the camera anymore. I just said, I'm calling it there, and I dropped it, and I fell asleep on the couch. Um, I just <laughs> passed out on the couch that's in the set, and and everyone packed up and, and ate wine and cheese around me there's a photo of it in <laughs> the behind the scenes <laughs> photos of just me completely exhausted and passed out um,
1: just funny because so, something that also happens in the movie
2: <laughs>
1: yeah someone passed that oh yep. man um,
0: yeah, I'm, I'm, yeah i'm also I, fascinated with uh with long shots especially you know like the single take long shots because sometimes they're done from for like very uh technical reasons in terms of all right we want to see how much we can get the actors to do without having to break sometimes yeah. it's done um for lack of a better terms for pretentious reasons but then there's other times where like it it has a tonal reason and um, in recent memory one of the shots that i have just absolutely adored is in after midnight um, where it's zooming in very <laughs> slowly on Jeremy Gardner and uh, and Bria Grant. That <laughs> yeah. scene is fucking beautiful and I love it and the reason that I bring yeah. that up is because in that scene like it serves a very specific purpose and I feel mm-hmm. like in an ideal host that it also is serving some of that purpose because like that's right after uh, uh, Tyler yells at, at Daisy right and like there's sort of that ringing in her ears like that's the start of that that long shot right
2: you mean jackson
0: jackson did i say tyler uh, uh, yes <clears throat> that, that's right after writer. yeah so it's right sure, after jackson I'm
2: sure that
1: the writer did yell at people <laughs> <a bit. laughs> he was also yelling at her but like he with, was off camera doing it
0: with having that yeah. ringing in her ears and that kind of being the start of that long shot it makes the entire scene feel a little bit more not disorienting but almost like like she's uh like she's disassociating yeah. from herself and things well, are just that's happening the first time we've,
2: we've left we've kind of left Liz Liz's um, subjective point of view. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> the reason for that is because um, the, the actors all, all um, yelling over each other on top of each other in that sixth take, the performance I wasn't happy with. Um, so, I said in the sound mix, just get rid of it and put in some ringing and we'll pretend we're with Daisy now because I don't want to hear them. It was the timing of it was awkward. There was a weird gap and there shouldn't have been. Um, and it worked in the previous two takes, but the the camera wasn't as good. <laughs> and so I was like, ah, I really want to use this take but just that one bit is really sticking out like a sore thumb to me. Um, so that was kind of a, an, necessity out of editing uh, and and my preference for performance um trying to trying to smooth that over but yeah we, you're right what it does is it is it then puts you in into daisy's head quite literally um and you're focusing on her as this madness is going on in the background and hopefully this is literally just before she's going to die. So hopefully you're uh, a bit more um, endeared to her after she's been such a bitch (laughs) for the rest of the film. Although some people love that about her anyway. So yeah.
0: I mean it it still totally works though like even with it being done out of necessity because the audio didn't quite sync up the way that you wanted it to with John's line earlier about how like oh she's just doing all of this external performance because like that's how she's trying to get validation and if one thing doesn't work out right she's going to spiral out of control like everything that he says there is like okay thank you for explaining the plot of the movie love that (laughs) Uh, and and I'm saying that seriously I'm not saying that as like a bird this could have been done better it's like no I, I love the fact that what he's saying is relevant to her character and also her character is relevant to what you see in the movie, but like it it works because in that scene, that's when in the long shot, that's when everything is falling apart. And so yeah. like it makes sense with what John was saying about, you know, he just met Liz, but he's still able to uh, to sort of give this interpretation of, of her psyche and that's what you get. And so when she is just losing it, you have to jump to another character because she's just because Liz isn't there, and so yeah, it 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 might have just been a all right. Well, we don't want to do the tracking shots because it's going to be a nightmare, and well, the audio didn't quite work, so we're going to just put some ringing in over top of it. Thanks. But contextually, all of it still fits so tonally, and 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 I think the reason that I wanted to mention that in terms of like I said earlier, this is such a smart movie. The fact that you have so much setup and payoff. When you have to do things out of necessity, it's like okay, well, let's just do this. There's enough of that context surrounding it that it brings all of those pieces together to where it doesn't feel like all right. Well, this is an odd decision. It it feels cohesive. Mm-hmm. At least that's yeah. What I take. That's
2: that's. I'll I'll take it. <laughs> um, the, <laughs> well, good. Yeah, we go, going in going into this uh, the, the whole the whole idea was that if we were happy enough with how the script worked, um, we were happy enough with the foundation of that story and, and Tyler's writing that, um, yeah, we uh, we were really leaning on it and relying on the quality of that to carry us through, um, you know, super low budget and, and the scrappiest f-ness of everything. Um, <laughs> Because, yeah, hopefully if, if your writing is good enough and, and your performances are all right, um, people will be happy to overlook bad visual quality or, or bad sound recording um, if if there's a story being told well that they can engage with. So, yeah, I think that's probably the most important thing. Um, and we, we were hoping that that's that's what we had so
0: yeah absolutely uh i have at least one other question but eric it seemed like you were about to uh ask something and i know i've been talking a lot
2: oh
1: no i was just going to say that um if you didn't want to admit that like you were trying to cover up a mistake you could just say that you're switching perspectives much like how the uh the creatures jump from one perspective to another by (laughs) you're just jumping from one character into another character's psyche there you go
2: fine it's, it all works <laughs> yeah whose rule is it anyway that we had to stay with Liz it was just exactly. an arbitrary thing I made up exactly <laughs> yeah well
0: but, uh, but yeah. I, I, I am glad that Liz was the main character uh, because like there's so much heart with following her and her story uh, especially looking at the fact that I forgot to plug in my computer and it's about to die oh my god hold on one second before this computer dies <laughs> <laughs>
1: um we haven't really mentioned much of the actors i will say just to jump off what nathan was saying uh nadia collins is phenomenal in this film like she really her performance is so good like she holds the movie together so well through her performance like you can tell like like she plays the anxiety like she she plays up so well that she's like putting on this facade but underneath it there's just like this like anxiety flowing through her all the time just Mm -hmm. the need to be perfect and and to be the ideal host like she's Excellent. Absolutely. Excellent.
2: I'm, I'm so happy that uh, she agreed to do it. She's uh, someone that I've known for a long time. Um, pretty much all of the actors are uh, improv comedians um, that I've been working with for a long time here. I'm a musician in an improv comedy troupe. Um, and, and I see them perform and play all the time. Um, mainly doing like really silly things but they're all fantastic actors mm. first and foremost and um she's someone who I just felt like has never really been given her due here in perth um, she she's done a couple of shows now where she's uh that she's created that that she's won awards for here and um I hope she continues to to create her own work because she is Phenomenal and so engaging to watch um she she studied clowning in, in France and uh um, oh, wow, and her physical prowess is incredible, and we did have her in mind when we were writing this because we were like yeah she would be game to f- to do the physical side of this as well as just nailing the um mm. the the acting side of it so yeah um yeah it's it's her movie. It's,
0: it's yeah. just for her. Yeah. So, so picking back up on that, <clears throat> now that my computer is plugged in, um, I, I love the fact that she is the central character and that you're following her story because it gives the movie so much heart because from the outset, you, you care about her and uh, Jackson's kind of a douche. Like not just the fact that they've been together for 10 years, which, man, I know plenty of people that, uh, that that's their relationship. But also like the, the scene that really sets it for the you know what glad that she kills him at the end is uh, when when he says like, all right, I'm going to go to bed. And she's like, oh, I'm, I'm going to stay up and clean for a little bit. And his response is like, oh, it's you're like, making uh, me feel guilty and then he just just Uh, walks off it's like you (laughs) fucking douche (laughs) but but like it makes sense the more that you get to know about these characters like how their relationship grew from what it did and like you know maybe they were just high school sweethearts that uh like that's just the way that things went being in a small town and there's so much that gets unraveled but that opening scene it, it just sets so much and the fact that like he's controlling every little aspect, like like no no you're being too excited tone it down like mm-hmm. he's a relatable character but at the same time a hateable character um and, and i think that if you had followed anyone else like as much as i love daisy i love daisy she she is a little bit of a bitch but i love that about her <laughs> um and if you had followed her i don't She's think he's
1: a great foil for liz
0: Yeah. And I don't think that it would have had the same kind of tone. Like it would have had more of a, more of a bitter tone almost rather than a putting on a facade, which again fits in with that ideal host theme.
2: Right. Yeah. We did, we did have quite a complex uh, backstory relationship for Daisy and Liz for those characters and just the idea of how they would have grown up together and what happened between them. Um, And I think it's all just stuff that's, that's very vaguely hinted at in the film, Um, especially stuff surrounding her father and Mm. things that it's like, it's there and it's um, yeah. If the, if the film was from Daisy's point of view that it's far more tragic. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. For sure. Um, We wanted, Yeah. We wanted to. I wanted to just steal the the arc from um, Ten Cloverfield Lane because that's one of my all-time favorite movies. <laughs> yeah, uh, it was like yeah, a, a character that goes from from uh, being passive to standing up for themselves and being ready to fight for what they believe in. It's like that's that's a that's a really simple, solid arc mm. to track um that doesn't require too many beats um that we can track through this yeah so that's that's kind of what we went for for liz just someone that's in this situation that needs to figure out what it is they really want and then be brave enough to go and get it
0: yeah yeah and and again it absolutely works um in in, in such a way that again it brings you at least me into the movie because she's not just fighting against those aliens. She's fighting against the oppression and she's fighting against, you know, her uh, boyfriend of 10 years. Who's only just Mm -hmm. now proposing. And even that, I am positive. I don't think it's ever directly said, but I am positive that it was his parents giving him shit about like, all right, if you're going to join the company, you have to be married now. We're going to give you the money for this house, so you better go ahead and start getting married. Like, (laughs) I don't think that he wanted to settle down. I think that it was parental pressure and he was just doing it for money. And like, you don't say any of that stuff and you don't need any of it. These characters are just so... So definable, but also just blank enough that it's so easy to, like you said, because of all these other tropes that have been in all these other movies and all of this Mm. other just cinematic experience, you're able to put that onto uh, onto the movie. Same thing. Like if you've ever seen any uh, sort of relationship drama, you're able to put that into Mm. their relationship and and it works uh yeah um, yeah, there's a
1: lot of great character shorthand, and like it's not a very long movie, but still like very quickly. Despite the fact that you know you have a a fairly good sized ensemble here, like all of these characters immediately kind of stand out and are distinct right up front, and and even whenever they're being assholes to one another, there's something about each of them that's kind of lovable.
2: <laughs> that's that's great to hear. <laughs> Doing the character shorthand thing is it's actually very difficult. Oh, I'm sure. Um, yeah. It, to, to get uh, right, to get enough there. I mean, like kudos to all the actors who, who give so many great silent looks that just say a thousand words, mm-hmm. but also to Tyler for um, that, that opening scene was, yeah, it was worked on so much um, because it has to set up, a lot and it has to get the point across as quickly as possible. Um, cause you don't want to waste any time mm. getting to, you know, the actual premise of the film. Um, and exposition is so tricky. So just, just finding those, those shorthands and, that, that's, that say so much about, um, about their backstory and about, (laughs) yeah, like, so that you can infer a past there that's really obvious is, um, is tricky, but, um, Tyler's the master. So.
1: Well, of course Uh, you, uh, (laughs) uh, we can't go without mentioning the fact that the the Stegosaurus shirt, of course, is like the best <laughs> character shorthand of all time.
2: <laughs> so great. I yeah, so I, great. I I had the image for that shirt in my head. I was like, what is the shirt that I would wear? <laughs> that <laughs> I would so wear? funny. What's a shirt that I can make? Um, I did that design myself. I got them printed up just because I wanted one myself (laughs) Uh, like that. Even, even just that seventies font (laughs) font—it's all very specific, but yeah. So perfect. Um,
0: God, I love that shirt so much. Uh, There, there are two more things that I want to mention. There are things that I've already said plenty of times, but there's two more specific examples that I want to note. Um, And then I'll stop with this because I really could keep going for like the next hour and a half just talking about every single scene. But there's two scenes uh, specifically related to what you were just talking about with some of that character shorthand and and also hearkening back to what we talked about towards the beginning of the episode with some of that setup and payoff. I love the fact that there is a single scene like it's maybe like a second of Liz chopping wood. During that opening montage, (laughs) where she's (laughs) literally one
2: shot, yeah, like it is, it is, is, (laughs) and it's hidden. It's hidden, like right at the end of the montage. Yeah, 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 there specifically,
0: (laughs) (laughs) it's there. And again, it's so smart because for one, it tells you in that moment what you need to know about how she's the one who's doing all the work around the house while uh, Jackson is just sleeping uh, and not actually do anything to help prepare. Um, It also gives the setup of you know checkoffs axe of she's going to use the axe later. And then there's it's, that amazing payoff it's the at the of end. Summer. She doesn't need to chop wood. There's no reason for it. It doesn't matter if there's a reason. It has that beautiful so, payoff at the end of Where does she keep getting all of these weapons?
2: <laughs> it's like go back and watch the start of the film. That's where she gets the
0: And and again, so much is done so simply and and so effectively. Um, and and the other scene that I wanted to mention, since we're talking about the Stegosaurus shirt, is related to the "We Come in Peace" line. Um, when when John is talking about how he and Kyle met, he's like, "Oh yeah, it's a great story on Grinder." It just again, I love that subversion <laughs> of expectations. Of there's a story. That's it. That's all you need. Like you you don't need all of those details, or like the oh well, there was more. Pass the peas. Like, the the uh, way that he is handling that story I'm, is... I'm so glad,
2: like, some other people have mentioned that and I'm really glad because uh, that particular gag was one that Tyler and I, in the editing process, debated furiously over. Uh. <laughs> there, wasn't <laughs> much that we, there wasn't much that he was like that, that, that we, like, argued about, but that just happened to be one of them where uh, he did not think that the way I had edited it the timings that I had edited it with worked to sell the gag and that it should probably just be completely taken out. And mm. I said, no, 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 no. I think it works. I think it'll play with an audience. Yep. Um. And I, I, I like that. I've, I've been, um, justified. Been, been proven right. Yeah. From, <laughs> yeah. Proven right from, from all of the, the, from a bunch of, of um, people that have commented on that specific line, um, which is totally something out of my life. <laughs> like, yeah, that's something of like, yeah i that's what i say all the time like where did you meet them i was like oh no tinder <laughs> <laughs> well, <of> <laughs> it,
1: it's great too because it's like you're there there's so many times where like even when you're making a joke like that like you you're giving a sense that there is a bigger story behind it like i love to the uh the picture of uh at the beginning of the film whenever she's uh what are they are they supposed to be in like forest so? or what is it the uh with the them on the kids and the paint.
2: Oh, the Mombasa.
1: Mombasa, that's what it is. Yeah, the, Mombasa. The
2: orphans. The, with the orphans of
1: Mombasa, like the way that like that she'll put picture. it up and, and like look at that it for picture,
2: a That picture is the most expensive thing in the movie. <laughs> <laughs> that that well, it was And it well also, it was, it was meant to be on the wall of the house, um, prominently visible for the entire film. Um, and I foolishly um, ordered the print online. Um, presuming that, that my local store would do it. Um, but it by doing it online, it went to Sydney to get printed, <laughs> um, which meant that it would take like a whole extra week to get to Perth. Oh, um, wow. And so we had to shoot half of the film without it there. And I was like, shit, am I going to have to um, like 3D track in every single shot from from that perspective and like get plates of it? And uh, And in the end, I was like, oh, man, it's like it cost- I think it cost $200 um, to get that print which is now sitting somewhere in like Tyler's basement <laughs> um, but <laughs> but yeah we ended up like going oh let's just let's just use it in in the, the gags at, at the beginning um, when they're setting stuff up and then taking it down. And then they mentioned Mombasa later on and maybe people will put it together. And when we can use it at the end for like boarding up the windows. Um, so that, mm-hmm. that one little gag that's in the, the opening titles <laughs> sequence montage. Um, yeah. It's, it's, the most expensive thing in the film it's so funny um, I,
1: I actually love too that it's not throughout the film like i think it works again as a good bookend and like that i feel like that is kind of like a, a great encapsulation of the entire story arc with it being yeah. there then taken down and then you have, end up just being used as part of the the, the fortitude the, <laughs> just yeah fortifying the place of the end it's perfect
0: well, it's, yeah, it, I think that it's it. definitely uh, <laughs> some of your improv training coming into play and uh, something that we've talked about on the podcast a lot is the relationship between horror and comedy and how so many people think that both of them are so easy, but they are two of the most difficult genres to pull off successfully. For one, they're so subjective, but for two... Mm-hmm. It all comes down to timing, and if you do not have the timing and if you don 't know how to subvert those expectations appropriately, then a joke isn 't funny and a horror movie it doesn 't have that same ability to um, to to catch you off guard. This movie, I feel like handles it again just so perfectly in. And and the fact that you've mentioned a few times that uh, the entire um, cast basically was improv, like improv comedy. I feel like that helped to give all of them that sense of timing to know, all right, this is how to land a joke. But this is also how to give just enough time to think that there's a joke so that the suspense actually does then catch you off guard. And again, I, I think that it's beautiful. And I think that uh, having the cast that you did absolutely drove this movie and yeah Eric mentioned it earlier but we've not spent nearly enough time talking about the fact that this is a very very well acted film like there's not a single uh, scene in this movie that i thought eh they're okay like beginning to end it's like these characters are believable this feels real this feels genuine i want to see every single one of these people in more movies i want more of of this I want the behind the scenes. I want the the, the <laughs> documentary called scrappy really as f- about the making of the minus movie. Minus like <laughs> <timer scenes. laughs>
2: and like there really isn't much behind the scenes except for like some people's iPhone photos. Cause like the, there just wasn't time and there was no yeah. people. There's no one to capture that. <laughs> uh, but yeah, like this uh, I'm sure there can be like retrospective uh, interviews with people if I can get them all in the same room again. <laughs> um, yeah, they're, they're so great that they're, they're all fantastic comedians that, that understand timing. Um, and I didn't have to, I didn't have to direct them in terms of the timing or, or line readings or anything, because like they're all, they just, they just got it. Um, and also it's, it's, it's in the, it's on the page. It's on, if you read the script, you, Tyler has a certain pacing to his dialogue um, that when you read it, you go, Oh, okay. Like this, this might be a a 17 page scene, but yeah, when you film it, it's eight and a half minutes long Mm -hmm. because of the pacing of the dialogue. Yeah. Kind of get that, that sense when you read it. And um, so, yeah, they, they just got those lines down. Um, They would, be rehearsing the lines back and forth all morning, trying to get that uh, back and forth going, and then, yeah, we we would just shoot one or two, maybe two takes and move on, <laughs> and um, they just nail it every time because that's what I needed. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Ah, uh, I can't wait for there to be more. Um, all right. We should probably stop talking because again, I'm at the point where I just want to start going through every single scene saying I love this scene because and basically turn into uh, Chris Farley doing his interviews. Um, and so I probably need to stop talking. But um, Robert, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, Eric, do you have any burning questions that you wanted to make sure that that you asked before we officially close um, things down that we haven't already at least mostly addressed.
1: Uh, I guess, I mean, honestly, I'm just kind of curious to know, Robert, if you have any, uh, plans for anything else after this film, or if you, you know, like you've obviously worked in, you know, theater and you've, uh, done, so you've worn many hat- hats, like behind mm. the scenes on films. You can, you're an editor and visual effects artist. So I'm just kind of curious, like what's, what's coming down the line for you. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. I'm sorry. Um, I'm jumping around a lot.
2: <laughs> yeah, no, that that's cool. Um, we uh, awkwardly uh, the uh, the last musical that we wrote um it, that we started writing in 2017 uh uh has only just opened in a, a theater here um due to covid and, and rewrites and and leaving it on the shelf um but that's that's one that i could see as we were writing it, I was like, this is not, this is not a stage show. This is a movie. I don't understand how you can pull this off on a stage, especially with like all of the action set pieces <laughs> that's at the end of this. Um, so I'm, I'm hoping we might be able to, um, like, that's a, that's like a ready written script. <laughs> um, it's like, it's been, it's, it's done. It's been workshopped twice. It's, it's been performed now. Um, like maybe we can shop that around, but yeah, we're, we're figuring out um, this, this film has uh, definitely opened a couple of doors. Um, that's been very useful. Uh, some contacts um, from other festivals that we've gotten to know. Um, and we're definitely working on, we have a whole slate of pictures um, that we're ready to work on. And it's just a matter of finding exactly which one we want to pursue mm-hmm. uh, and throw our lives into next. Um, and that process seems to keep changing from week to week. Um, but hopefully soon we'll, we'll be able to say, yay, maybe this time we'll be able to like pay the people that, that <laughs> up That'd be nice. to work for us. And, <laughs> and wouldn't that be nice to, to have a, some kind of, um you know right paid paid job art oh god the arts <laughs> yeah. are you uh
1: still looking at like are you would you be more kind of in the horror sphere is that like kind of uh your comfort area are you looking at other genres
2: or um i def- look definitely whatever we do it's it may not necessarily overtly be horror, but it's certainly going to have dark undercurrents just Mm. because that's what we write. Right. Okay. So, so even if it's a romantic comedy is, you know, someone's going to get f***ed up. Like (laughs) (laughs) it's, it'll happen. Um, It's, it's, that's just the the style of what we do. Yeah. So um, definitely, definitely some kind of, dark either thriller or horror aspects, we've, we've got a bunch of ideas um, and we're kind of honed it down to two or three that we're like really focusing on making a solid pitch for to try and get other people involved. The, the problem we had with this film was that um, we didn't have a producer and mm. a producer is a very, very important person in, in filmmaking because they're the ones that make it happen. Right. Um, and we didn't know what we were doing and um, kind of ended up having to do that ourselves, which took away from time from writing and, and directing and, and everything else that goes into making a film that we had to do ourselves. So being able to delegate a lot of the organizing stuff and a lot of the logistics stuff, that we don't actually know about anyway would be so handy. So um, yeah, we're desperately looking for producers that are keen to to work with us on on an idea going awesome. forward, and hopefully that will you know help <laughs> get things happening a bit
0: quicker.
1: Awesome. Well, best of luck to you guys. That's uh, I'm, I'm very excited and looking forward to anything that that you all are working on in the future.
0: So uh, this made me realize that I lied and I do actually have two follow-up questions. One, (laughs) are we ever going to get a musical version of an ideal host? Because, Oh my God, I would love to see that. (laughs) And two, you mentioned in our Discord server something about writing a musical about Channing Tatum. Uh, can you regale us <laughs> with something? Is this
1: a, is this point and shoot? Because I was looking at the. Uh, it is that's your website? Yeah. Okay, yeah, I was looking at your your uh, <laughs> the website, and I was like, oh, that's got to be it.
2: So weird. I just like, I just saw free guy and watching Channing Tatum do his thing on the big screen again. And I was like, ah, yeah. Ah, yeah, <laughs> It's so great. Ah, you're, you're the guy that I played in that musical that one time. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> Point and shoot was, um, I, I guess our, our sophomore effort in terms of musical theater. Um, we had written a, a community theater stage show, of, um, and, and then had been encouraged to submit it for a fringe festival. And, um, we didn't know what that was uh, at the time, but we did it and it was a success. Um, and so from there we were like, Hey, let's try and do this properly. And our follow-up effort was, um, Tyler and myself and two wonderful females, um, And it was the four of us playing 50 different characters and had 16 instruments around the stage. And we all played the music live and performed and sung, um, and accompanied each other and ran around changing hats. And this crazy madcap musical, um, uh, set in Hollywood in the future, um, uh, where independence, theater uh, cinema has um, taken over and no, nobody watches big Hollywood blockbusters anymore because they destroyed themselves. Um, and one, one man <laughs> wants to, wants to bring back the, the Michael Bay epics that he used to, to love growing up and bring back the nostalgia. Um, and, and then the independents try and stop him. And, and it's this uh yeah, it's, that so it's like amazing. this weird film noir, <laughs> but set in the future. About about filmmaking, about Hollywood filmmaking, um, and it's ridiculous. And yeah, one of the characters is Channing Tatum. <laughs> and um, <laughs> I, I think the soundtrack for it is is on the on the net somewhere. If you want to buy it, um, oh god, well. I, will I can DM I you a, a a link to the show. Please do <laughs> because that it's ridiculous. <laughs> it's utterly ridiculous. But yeah.
0: have you been um, listening to some of the questions that we've asked? I mean, come on. I asked if uh, someone selling prosthetics is a prostitute is what we do. Oh, really? Well, yes. Yeah. Happy to happy to send you a link. <laughs> oh my god, that sounds amazing! All right, with that, I will stop because I can't imagine topping that, uh, Robert. <laughs> once again, thank you so very much for joining us. Where do you want people to find you? Where do you want people to uh, to keep an eye out for an ideal host? All of that self promotion that we did at the beginning, but just in case people forgot, because you know humans be forgetful. So uh, you know,
2: yeah. Um, the, the best place to look for updates on the film is Facebook com/ an ideal um, that's where I'll post um, all of our upcoming festival dates please do check out the film um, when it's plays virtually at some of these festivals uh, and uh, as for me I'm yeah I'm just on Facebook as Robert woods or um, on Instagram as extreme underscore Bob um, Tyler is on Twitter as I think it's Tyler Jacob Jones. Um, And if you watch the film and enjoy it, please um, spread the word because that's how we're trying to get um, uh, recognition at the moment and trying to get um,
0: film sales happening. So that'll be a great help. Absolutely. Uh, Eric, where do you want people to find you?
1: Uh, I'm on Twitter at The Chimerican. That's T-H-E-C-H-I-M-E-R-I-C-A-N. Uh, I'm on Instagram at American Reviews and on Letterboxd at Eric J-A-Y.
0: And you can follow me slash the podcast on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Letterboxd at VideomonsterPod. You can also follow me personally on Letterboxd at TheGargyle. That's G-A-R-G-Y-L-E because it's a gargoyle wearing an Argyle sweater. Uh, and if you, <laughs> I told you we're idiots. <laughs> If you enjoyed this episode, uh, and want to hear more of our coverage of awesome cinema and, uh, you know, th- th- other things that we also watch, uh, just subscribe wherever you get your podcast, just do a search for video monsters. And if you enjoyed this chat and, uh, want to get more insights into, uh, Robert's views on not only his own movie, but other movies that he is watching, join us on discord. Um, I will have a link posted on Facebook and you can join in on the conversation there so please join us on discord and you know keep it civil obviously but uh but yeah come talk movies with us all right that's been it for this episode of video monsters i'm nathan i'm eric i'm I've, robot i've, I've said it like a <laughs> hundred times thank you for being here oh my god i've loved this so much
1: <laughs> yeah this has been so, this has been so great thank you so much for sitting down with us
0: my pleasure thanks so much for having me guys And then we have the musical coming You're in. You're so
2: trying funny. to explain <laughs> how it goes. <laughs> oh no, but I've come in with some music. <laughs>